bringing health, wellness, and fitness ideas right to your speakers. With your host, Tyler Martin, learning from experts and average Joes alike. This is the Cracking Fitness Podcast. Um, so we were talking about, you know, you're a photographer and, and uh, you do equine photos. And we were talking about prices of horses. Um, and you, what did you just say about, so some of the cheaper horses will sometimes whoop up on, on some of the more expensive ones. Yeah. So you'll have local people, like one of my friends, she's a, uh, a waitress at a lo- local bar and just grew up riding. And one of her horses is only a couple grand, five, six grand, which in the world of horses is nothing. Yeah. Um, and she'll go out and she'll compete with people who spend millions of dollars on horses because of their bloodlines and things like that and beat them that's awesome that i mean that kind of like segues into tactical games a little bit just because you know just because you go out and buy that nicest ar or the nicest uh uh atlas gunworks 2011 definitely doesn't mean that that person is going to go out and and dominate the competition like that's what's so cool about competition is you get these people on five thousand dollar horses that are beating million dollar horses and you get someone with a stock glock 19 that is taken out someone with well you can't say taken out in that context because it sounds really bad but um (laughs) but that's you know whooping up on someone um that's running atlas gunworks which are sweet guns um but it's uh equipment is definitely not everything and it's not even not even a huge part of the equation No, so and I'm actually kind of a fan of that sense uh, for the tactical games. Um, for like people who know, like I run a Palmetto State Armory upper that's like eight years old and is coming up on like fifty or sixty thousand rounds, and it still will hold groups just as nice as someone who spends like uh, like two thousand dollars on their entire build without an optic. Yep. Um, and I forget someone told me it was. Like, and I, I'm horrible with things like this, but like, if you gave Picasso a paintbrush from the 99 cent store, he would still be able to wow you with it. Yeah. Because yeah. it's very much the person behind the instrument, not necessarily the instrument. Yeah. There was a, a, a dirt bike rider, an enduro rider that <clears throat> decided to compete on an XR 200, which is I mean, I don't even know if they build XR 200s anymore. And in the world of performance enduro bikes, it's, it's nothing. And he went out and won a race on it. And he just wanted to show that he's like, look, I've, I put a lot of time into riding and I do ride the nicest bike out there because I'm sponsored, but I kind of want people to see that you don't need the nicest bike out there to go and win a race. A hundred percent. It's, it's very true. And like for us in the tactical games, a lot of it's uh, earned in the form of dry fire, like most competition shooting. So it's like, I don't necessarily care about how big of a sponsor you may or may not have. And if you get to put 10,000 live rounds down range a month, thing like that. Um, if you get someone who's dedicated and puts in 10,000 reps of dry fire per month, they're going to hang with you all day long. Yeah. Like yeah. it, it is, it is nice to get those full speed reps, but it's not necessary for sure. 
So I, I want to, I mean, I'd say, I, so I met you, uh, it was about a year ago. Um, we met in Price, Utah, and uh, there were two things that drew me to you. One is just, you have a very magnetic, positive personality. And um, you're, like, I think the word magnetic is just a good way to, to put it. You just, you're fun to talk to. Uh, I'm not trying to just butter you up here. Um, you're just fun to talk to. You're just a good dude. And then two, it was your, your pink shorts. Um, I was like, this guy, that's awesome. He's guys competing in pink shorts over there. Um, and then we just, you know, kind of hit it off and it was, uh, it, just a good friendship from then on. Um, and so I've always wanted to do a podcast with you and learn a little bit more about you. Um, you're also just pretty plugged into this world and honestly, this podcast even seems to be shifting more towards tactical uh, fitness than, than just overall fitness. And so I just wanted to learn more about you and I want the world to uh, learn a little bit more about you. So um, well, I appreciate what you say, because I, I try to be a humble person, um, like in, especially in the world of like tactical games. It took me up until I got like a top 20 finish one time I got like 17th or something like that for me to even like remotely accept that I belong. Um, yeah. Cause you go to some of these events and like, like, I mean, now we're attracting people who are consistently top 10 and I think, and then like top five CrossFit games athletes. Yeah. Like it's very much on its way of becoming a professional sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me is like, I, like my term, like, I know race is all poo-poo nowadays, but, like, I consider myself, like, a generic white boy. Yeah. Like, I'm t- – I grew up in Orange County, California. I still live out here. Like, I'm just a generic guy. So, it's, yeah. it took me a long time to accept that I can earn the ability to belong in, in like, that kind of environment. Um, so, it's nice to hear that someone appreciated me. Oh, yeah. But, well, and, and I know that that's not just uh... – something that I saw it's just it's just how it is you're just you are the community and so um so so yeah own that for sure um two also the cool part about the tactical games is um is that you know people people show up it was my first games when I had met you and you just kind of brought me in you're like hey this is this is the world and you know whatever you need here i'm here for you and then it was cool because then the next time that i went i was able to kind of do the same thing with other people and um it's a it's an interesting world because you get people there that are elite athletes in every sense of the word um and then you get people that are your everyday average joe and they show up and everyone has fun together it's a it was pretty cool. Last, last tactical games, you were actually at one of the events or at the, the, the battle. And this guy, he, I think he felt a little weird. Cause he's like, Hey guys, uh, it's my first one. And I, I'm just running a red dot. Like I didn't really know what to bring. And, and everyone's like, Oh, it doesn't matter. You're just here. You're, you know, you're here and that's what's important. And then all of a sudden he ended up doing really well. Um, it's impressive what people are doing with basic equipment. It, it's pretty cool. It is. And I think that the staff over at the games 
has done a phenomenal job at creating an event that anybody can go to. Because, um, like, they have, I mean, from the novice, tactical and elite, like, it's literally geared towards anybody. Yeah. Um, as long as you can be safe with a firearm, anybody can show up. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, they do keep it competitive. Um, because like, in I feel like in other aspects of sports, if you compete in like an intermediate division, it's really not all that challenging per se. Yeah. Um, whereas like here at the tactile games, intermediate is very much a challenge. Oh yeah. Um, it's not a cakewalk. We're moving real weights over real distances and real time caps. Um, which makes me get even more humble when I look at like what I do compared to elite. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, there. There, they are another level. Yeah, we go out, we crush an intermediate stage, and we feel great about it. And it's like, yeah, Elite did that with fifty percent more weight and more reps, and it's like, thanks. (laughs) Yeah, we go out and run a distance, and then they go out and run twice the distance. So, but it's fun. It 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 gives a, it can light a little fire in people. I went down with and you met him his name's Matt Bitter and he came down to just kind of do it and and have some fun get out of his comfort zone a little bit but once he was in it he was like uh I think I'm hooked you know he I know he's he's uh done a a couple things to his Glock and he's been out training a lot more and you know he's getting really excited for Oregon and we also signed up for the sniper challenge up in Montana and it was just it's kind of like hey I wanted to do this for fun to Oh no, I'm a tactical games athlete now. And it it's cool to see. It is. Um, and it does like it consumes you in a positive way. Where like now if I go to the gym or something like that and I'm not really feeling a workout or something like that, and I'll be doing it, and I'm like, well, if I don't really succeed in this, then I'm gonna go to Oregon in a couple months and I'm not gonna do that well, and people are gonna give me crap. Like in our positive way, like we all yeah we all have very fun, constructive criticism. Yeah. Oh yeah. It motivates like every aspect of you competitively. Yeah. It's, it's so motivating. Um, you say that. And even today at the gym, um, I had this, uh, this workout that was carry 150 pound sandbag for a hundred meters, then do some box jump overs, then do some toes to bar back to box jump overs and then a sandbag. And I wanted to switch it up and use a, one of the Husafelt stones, one of those rubber Husafelt stones, because that's what we use in the games. We also use um, sandbags, but I kind of just didn't want to do the workout. I was a little bit tired, but then that thought popped in of like, oh, well, I've got Montana and Oregon coming up. Like I can't not go do that. And um, it's funny because that that's how athletes are, you know, like that we're athletes, even though maybe growing up, we weren't like. I was never thinking I'm going to go be an athlete somewhere. We're kind of forced to be because it's just too much fun not to be. Yeah, uh, you're not wrong. There are some times where like, I'll be writing my own little wad on a whiteboard in my garage. I write it down. I'm like, that sounds like doable. Like I'm feeling kind of tired or crappy or this hurts a little bit more and something else. And then like I do my warm up and I start thinking about my game plan for it. And I'm like, 
Yeah, but it's really only like 50% of what like a tactical game stage is. So maybe I should add some yeah. more. Yeah. And it, oh, that's it, awesome. This is you to better yourself and compete with yourself. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, and that's a key. Too. You know, it's, it's really easy to look over at the neighbor and be like, dang, he's beating me. But, you know, am I better than yesterday? Am I better than the last tactical games that I went to? Am I trying to be well-rounded? Am I putting time into fitness, but also into shooting? Am I dry firing? Am I, you know, honing my equipment? Like it's all, there's a lot to focus on. It's cool. Yeah. And like, especially like you just said, like honing equipment. I know everybody loves to talk about gear because gear's fun. It doesn't require a lot of effort. It's the cool guy thing, but there's so many nuances to set up for the games to run and not get caught up in your own gear and defeat yourself just based off how you have stuff placed for sure it took me a long time to understand um because i've tried to be when it comes to my gear i try to be multifaceted i try to not just have competition-based gear like i want to have some real world type stuff built into my gear yeah and you realize that like not a lot of the real world type stuff works like you have to be fast and you have to be clean. Your gear has to be relatively slow. Yeah. Um, there's no extra to it. And like in all sport that requires speed and efficiency, you got to trim the fat off everything. Yeah. Yeah. And in the real world, you definitely don't want that heavy clunk everywhere. And you bring that into the tactical games and you also don't want that heavy clunk everywhere. So I agree. Yeah. Uh, what what made you get into this? What made you what drew you towards that first tactical games and actually pressing the button to sign up? Um, so I've been competitive shooting pretty much my entire life. Um, never was really like crazy good at it. Um, but like my dad back in the day was a, a competitive revolver shooter at like long distance cool. pistol type stuff. Yeah. So no, no, like cowboy stuff, precision, like silhouette type stuff. Yeah. Um, so I always grew up like slow fire, like accuracy is king type stuff. Um, and then uh, I was an explorer with the local sheriff's department out here because I thought law enforcement was my path, um, but I had to change there. But during my time there, they had a. Uh, um, opportunity for us to start a a live fire competitive pistol team because some of the competitions we went out to had live fire competitions for explorers so i got a call one day from the there's bureau sergeant saying hey we want to do this one of the explorers that is a uh, part of the um rank staff knows like you shoot stuff like that so when I did that, I actually got like my real foot in like actual competitive shooting. Yeah. Um, and then that transferred into like some private security stuff where I met people who knew about tactical games. So that was a really long segue. No, you're great. Uh, I met some guys while I was doing uh, some asset protection stuff for uh, Oakley, the sunglass company. Yeah. So, some of the guys in the military sales department that I was friends with brought it up. And they're like, hey, you competitive shoot, but like, I mean, back then I was 304 pounds, pretty chunky. 
was doing mostly powerlifting and stuff like that. And they're like, it'd be cool if like someone normal could do this, but we don't think that would be possible. And it was kind of like, I've always been raised of like, anybody can do anything if they put their time into it in a way. Yeah. Or at least anybody can attempt it. So it was like, these people literally just told me like, it would be cool, but they don't think capable of doing it. Yeah. So I was like, well, the heck with you. Like, I'm going to sign up for this thing and see what it's all about. Yeah, so they lit a little fire. Um, it was literally, for some reason, and especially when it comes to shooting, um, because I'm no by no means like a great shooter, but I'm decent. I am a fairly proficient shooter um, when it comes down to it. So I was like, they told me I can't do something that's shooting-based. Like, yeah. I don't believe that. Yeah. Um, and I knew the fitness part was going to be challenge, and it was. My very first one was in price. And I'm coming from sea level. And I did not realize how much, I think the, the range in price is like 6,600 feet. Yeah, it was level. high. It was up there. It was even higher it, than we are here. And it destroyed me cardio lots. Like a lot of the weights were harder than I thought they were going to be. But I just ran out of energy. Yeah. Like there were movements I was capable of doing and I just ran out of it because I didn't have oxygen because I was fat and slow. Um, but yeah, so back to the actual question. Um, it was literally just someone told me they don't think I was capable of it. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm going to go do it. And then I did it. And my dad came out there with me. And he's like, you're not that far off like what we would call the median pace of it. Yeah. And he's like, with a little bit of work and like a little bit of agility stuff, He's like, you could actually do this. That's awesome. So, yeah, a little bit of uh, lack of faith in somebody and then faith from someone I trusted in the form of my father. Yeah. Um, I did it. And then, of course, like like we were talking about earlier, it's like once you get there and meet people and at the end of the weekend, everybody's like, so when's the next one? Like, when are you going to be here next? And everybody's yep. like already inviting you out to the next one, no matter where you placed, how good or how bad you do. Oh, yeah. Um, yes such a great community so uh, then like i was like yeah i met the people and they're like you better come back out i was like well i just died this weekend so i don't know if i want to come back out <laughs> yeah yeah and then and then as soon as the soreness is gone you're like oh, i gotta go sign up yeah it took a lot for me to sign up again because i am by no means an agile person and my first event was back when we were still doing rope climbs. And oh, okay. I'm, a, I'm not a CrossFit member. I don't belong to a box or anything like that. So I have nowhere to practice rope climbs. Um, so that part, I was, I was like, great. I'm going to have to, like, as soon as, like, the time goes, I'm already behind the count in burpees because I can't rope climb. Yeah. And it, it's, like, that's totally, like, a well, excuse. Like, I should go find someone to become more proficient at rope climbs. Um, but now we don't do them, so I don't spend the time on them. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, it's cool to see that evolution too, you know, among, among the sport they've, at least what I've seen the last couple of years have kind of fallen into a certain routine and, um, you know, routine can be the enemy. So they've got to, they've got to come up with something here soon that changes it up a little bit, you know, maybe bring rope climbs back or something. So kind of be i would imagine we should be prepared i think for they want to bring rope climbs back 
we really should um because like i don't think anybody was prepared for yokes to show up and then randomly one event yokes showed up and then we're jumping over yokes yeah or in my case not jumping over a yoke i couldn't at that time you Um, can now i can now as long as i stop hurting myself doing it yeah (laughs) yeah that's what's cool man the progression and that you have you have the heart interestingly that's your last name um you have the heart to make that happen Uh, you know so it's cool to to be there and me thinking this in a positive way thinking about all the people that are not willing to go do it you're there you're doing it and you are consistently becoming better that's what it's all about i love it you you exemplify that thank you i try to um and it was, it's kind of like, it filled a gap in my life without really thinking about it because I grew up playing baseball and soccer and lacrosse and all that. And then I left high school and like, I didn't have a shot at going to pro and I didn't go to a meaningful college. Um, so like I lost that competitive gap in my life, which were like competitive shooting kind of helped. Yeah. Um, but even then, like if you go to like a USPSA or an IDPA, they're not necessarily the same type of competitive environment we are in yeah like not not in a bad way it's just like you don't have an entire line of people screaming at you to move faster in a happy way yeah (laughs) um so it kind of it was kind of a nice thing for my like my soul basically like it gave me something to go compete in again yeah so are you you're still competing in uspsa and some other things right yeah so i do shoot USPSA matches out here from time to time. Um, being in California, they're kind of annoying because most of them are like an hour plus away. Okay. Um, so it can get a little annoying trying to go out to them, but I do, do try. Plus, like we were talking about earlier, with my business and all my horse photography and sports photography, a lot of that happens on the weekends. So I end up with a lot of work overlapping matches. So it can be a problem with it sometimes, but get out to them as much as I can. And I try to talk those people into it. Yeah. Um, I, sometimes I do it in a fun, malicious way because they'll be talking about how great of a shooter they are and things like that and stress shooting and like kind of throw that fun little like hook out there. Like, hey, why don't you come try and stress shoot this way and see how well you do? Yeah. But in a positive way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so USPSA, then what was the other one that you said? Every now and then I shoot an IDPA match. Okay. Um, which is all like defensive base shooting. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So USPSA is all about like split times and speed and hit factor. And there's not necessarily a whole lot of rules about how you have to get it done. You got to do it safe and they might implement certain things like reloading or where you have to draw from and stuff like that. Whereas IDPA, you have to reload behind cover. You have to work from some form of concealment with all your gear. Um, You have to shoot from behind cover versus like completely stepping out around cover. Yeah. So it's much more defensive-based than performance-based shooting. Yeah. Um, In the gun community, you find a lot of the uh, so-called FUDs 
there's a lot of older guys out there with their single stack 1911s asking me why you're shooting the Glock with a 21 round magazine. Yeah, yeah. Like, wait, is that that's not real? Yeah, but it's kind of it's cool because like there's a guy, um, a big time shooting instructor, he used to be a Marine. His name's uh, Buck Doyle. Um, and one of his videos, I don't know if it's his concept, if he came up with it, uh, but he said one of his favorite things about when he was in in the special forces community is that he got to go around to everybody's training and that it was like going to his fishbowl. Yeah. He's like, you go there, you look from the outside, you take notes from all of it, and then you come out of it and put it all towards the same effort. Um, so, like, there's a lot of good to I because it teaches you how to work from concealment it teaches you how to work around and with cover versus uspsa where it's all about speed and performance yeah that's awesome even um so do you feel like taking it even if IPA is slow yeah so you feel like uh doing you know uspsa and and the ida and all the others do you feel like it's helping with the tactical games it definitely does um when you look at like the tactical games nowadays where we have aggregates. Yeah. Um, most of those aggregates are coming from Jared and his two and three gun world. Cause he like dominates the Texas three gun championship all the time. Yeah. Um, a lot of those aggregates come from USPSA based stages um, where they'll make it a two gun stage or it comes during yeah. the two gun world. Um. And it helps a lot with gear because a lot of those aggregates only require like one reload. Yeah. And a lot of the times you'll start with one mag in the gun. Yep. Um, so it teaches you how to be faster than everybody else out of the holster. Uh, it teaches you a lot of uh, about your holdovers and your reticle for your rifle. Um, yeah because a lot of people are running 50 yard or hundred yard zeros and we don't know, or a lot of people don't know their holdovers at seven yards. Yeah. Um, so if you go out and you take your tactical game set up to like a, a local two gun match, it will force you because it's all about speed and hits. Um, it will force learn all your holdovers, how to be quick and efficient. Um, and make up time because I think uh, the last time I saw you was at Utah in uh, St. George. Mm -hmm. I think it was either intermediate, one of the men's groups, intermediate tactical or elite might've been elite was separated by one point oh. uh, between first and second. Yeah. Um, so it's like, if your reloads were that much more efficient over the whole weekend, yeah, second place could have became first place. Yeah, um, things like an aggregate um, for the title games. Aggregates are almost like hero zero stages for us because you have to send it for speed mm -hmm. because of how fast other do it. Yeah, um, yeah, I, the I just say in like two gun competitive community is where you kind of can can get that and learn it. Yeah, I messed up on just a round count on the aggregate uh, in St. George. And I mean, it obviously messes you up quite substantially. <laughs> um, I think it was 
I don't remember exactly what it was, but you know, like three, 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 and then a further target, three, 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 further target, three, three, three. And I had done something like two, 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 two. And then there was one where um, you're supposed to go body and then head. And as soon as we walked up, she went, oh crap. And I was like, what the, the range judge, I was like, what do you mean? Oh crap. And she went, you, uh, you shot all of them in the head. So like, I was supposed to go some body, some head, and it was all head. And she's like, Hey, just uh, so you know, you placed all your shots. That was great. Uh, you just placed them in the wrong place. So it's, yeah, it's, several, it's fun. There's a lot of that in the USPSA and two gun community where there's specific round counts and placements per target. And it helps you understand the gamesmanship behind it. Yeah. That's and cool. It, it'll teach you a lot of how to think while shooting. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting how quickly you know just putting a clock to it, you know, it just that buzzer hits or they say three, two, one, go, and um, when emotion goes up, intelligence goes down. It, it can, it can get you. Oh, hundred percent. I don't know the probably almost every stage I do, regardless if it's tactical games or USPSA or whatever. I can spend ten minutes before sitting there running my game plan through my head. And then, yeah, that timer goes off and I'll watch the video of whoever was like videoing me. I was like, this is not at all what I told <laughs> myself I was going to do. Um, and it's that uh, time-induced like tunnel vision. Yeah. Because like sometimes after some stages, you can ask me what I did and I won't be able to tell you it in detail. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like that, I ran the stage, I hit my reloads, but like after that, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about? (laughs) So what do you do to, um, to combat that? How, how are you actively fixing that? Um, kind of like my philosophy on it is like trying to fix any problem. You got to spend time doing what you're bad at. Um, so like if it was like a CrossFit space, you're breaking out that PVC pipe that we all hate. And working on technique yeah. um, or with stuff like this, like when I go out to the range with uh, some local people that compete in the series um, and we'll just walk up to the targets and be like, someone throw out random round counts and target like target orders. Yeah. And none of it's scripted. So none of us have time to really think about it. Um, and you just go for it. You got to spend time doing it. Um, and one of the best ways that I've found to get better at it is to slow it down in practice. Um, yeah, it's fun to throw a timer out there and just go for it and see what time you can get. Um, but if it's like like you were saying, like your, uh, your stage where you ended up putting them all in the head, yeah, it would be like, all right, cool, I should have like a – 12 second par time or something like that um but break it down into like a couple reps of slower paces where you come out of a holster fast but then you immediately slow it down yeah and you talk yourself through it and it's like all right cool one two to the body move to the head one two to the head and talk you through it at like one third of the pace a couple times and then try and send it at a faster pace yeah, absolutely. I like that a lot, slowing it down. I mean, muscle memory, once once that comes, then you can, 
you can speed it up, but that, that whole, uh, emotion thing, emotion gets in the way and our muscles want to do other things. Yeah. But plus you got people like you and, uh, Mr. Britton behind us saying, yeah, you can faster. You can do it faster. You can beat that guy. Yeah. Um, and it's all fun. Like at the end of the day, like if we screw up a tactical stage, tactical game stage, like what do we really lose? Yeah. Um, but yeah, for learning, I'm a big fan of slowing it down. Um, and especially like one thing I tell people who are trying to get into the tactical games and aren't sure, um, the community has become very prevalent in posting what's going on. Um, yeah, yeah, true. And it's like, get your people together and go to a range and run the same exact stage. Yeah. Like, there's no guarantee that you're going to see that same exact stage ever again. Um, but, I mean, let's be real. There's only so many ways you can implement farmer's carriers. There's only so many ways you can implement sandbags and things like that. Um, so it's like, go do it. Literally go yeah. run tactical game stages. Because like yeah. in the Facebook group, they get posted all the time. And you could probably find a year or two's worth of stages. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, J Jacob Hepner in a podcast said that um, someone had him test a workout and then said what the workout was. And I was like, well, we need to be practicing that one. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> they they have some people testing their workouts for them. Um and so, yeah, if, if Jacob Hepner is posting it or uh, there's a lady named Calarina in Florida, um, if Rob, that lady Robin, you know, if they're, if they're out practicing it and they're posting it, it's probably something that we should be doing. Yeah, um, and it's kind of funny because if you look at people like Jared, the owner, he doesn't post a whole lot because he's very competitive. Yeah. So anytime he did post something, it's like, all right, if he's willing to show the world a glimpse of this like this might be the subtle hint <laughs> of like hey this is coming yeah um or like jake like jake posted the new barricades that they made like three or four days before the event and i was like all right cool i went to my garage found some scrap plywood and i was like i guess we're shooting through triangles and circles now yep dude um, it was it was it's it's cool to do because if you've never done it you get put in that situation and all of a sudden it, it, it's different. You know, we had one stage last in, uh, <clears throat> in St. George and I was resting my gun inside the triangle, my, my pistol. And, uh, I, I continued to have malfunctions because it would recoil up and the slide would hit inside. I say triangle, but it was in a little, like a little rectangle. Um, and my slide would hit and then I'd have a malfunction and I've just never shot through such a small rectangle. So a great learning experience. And then what do I need to do? I need to go shoot through small rectangles. Yeah. So I want to, I agree hundred percent. You learn real fast doing it. Um, I built a barricade of sorts with similar shapes and stuff like that. I had to guess on the sizes. Yeah. Um, but then I went and just did some dry fire with my rifle in the garage with it. Um, and I have offset 45 degree sights on my gun. Yeah. Um, they don't fit through the holes. 
Uh, so I, don't know how, I don't know how much longer I'm going to have 45 degree offsets. Yeah. Because depending on the of the hole, I may not be able to rest at all in the barricade. Yeah. Um, and th- I have the sights on there because I like them for real world applications. Yeah. Um, because I run an OVPO with a hundred yards zero and I have my offset zeroed at 25. Okay. Um, so it's nice for anything close work. I just flip over to my irons and it's real quick. Yeah. Um, but now it's like if we're shooting through barricades a lot more, I'd rather have the efficiency through the barricade than the offset 45s. Yeah. 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 It's fun. It's fun to see it evolve. It's fun to think about the future, what could be there, how we need to train for it. The, the real world application. I mean, that's one that like Britain, for example, he, he's really big on the, the real world application. He just, he wants it to be transferable. You know, if I can use it here, can I use it there? And, um, and it is, it's fun. It's, uh, it's so much, it's like Spartan CrossFit two gun, all this other stuff put together, go do it safely. It's just, uh, I, I don't know. It's just fun. Like, I don't know if there's a better word for it. It is fun because it's very much its own thing. Yeah. Um, cause like, I'm not, like I said, like I'm not a big crossfitter. I don't hate on it. I respect the community a lot because it is furthered fitness more than anything I believe recently in the last 10 years or so. Yeah. Um, but like, just because you're a great crossfitter does not necessarily mean you're going to be great at the tactile games. No, no. I mean, Jacob Hepner is a good example of that. He found out very quickly that he needed to learn how to shoot. You know, that's where he puts a lot of time because he's extremely fit, but you mix that with pistol and then you mix that with rifle and then you mix that with heart rate and respirations and it, it changes the game. It really does. Um, and there's like a lot of people, like I was saying, like, I like to mess with, uh, people who are solely competitive shooters. I'm like, come out and like actually stress shoot. Yeah. Like, let me know how your grip does after you just did a combined like 275 pound farmer's carry for 50 yards, four times. Absolutely. Let me know how good you are with your sight control at that point. Yep. Yeah. And real world application, um, been chatting with, uh, a SWAT team and, and doing a little bit of programming here and there for a couple people. And um, it's a game changer for them. Cause it's like, Hey, you can go train SWAT all day long, you know, and you're running scenarios. Now go drag your buddy and go do it again. <laughs> it's, it's uh it's very different. So it's, it's good because this is, I think just opening up that world a little bit more and it's, it's showing, uh, police. And I, I say fire even because when I was, when I was on a SWAT team, I was the SWAT medic. Um, so, you know, I was firefighter paramedic, but still in that world. And uh, so it's opening up to law enforcement, military, um, uh, and even fire departments like, hey, we can, we can up our game here. And uh, one thing that's going to help us up our game in the real world is the competitive world. They start competing in it, and all of a sudden, we have better military law enforcement. It's uh, it's pretty cool. It's a game changer. Yeah, I'm a big uh, believer that uh, 
anyone who's in law enforcement should at least try it. I agree. Um, and I, I know that's it's hard to find faith in that saying it from the cheap seats because I was never in actual law enforcement. Um, but it it's all relative knowledge. Um, but Primary carries and things like that. If you're on SWAT and you got to run with breaching tools or something like that or whatever, or you're a canine handler um, <laughs> and you got to get through something like, cool, now you, you could be capable of one-handing your dog up a ladder through a window or something like that. Um, or if you're EMS, like uh, I was an EMT for a very, very short time. Um, and it's like if your department has a big drop bag or a giant med kit, like that thing can weigh 50, 60 pounds. Yeah. Um, and now it just ups your proficiency with being able to just. Now it's no longer, oh crap, I have to go move this heavy bag. Yeah. Um, or I don't want to get to this person faster because I'm carrying this bag. Um, or like body drags. Um, and I look at like in the intermediate division when we have to pick up the 150 sand bag over a yoke. Um, yeah. If you look at it in a real world situation, you're picking up a small human, yeah. And you're putting you're putting them in a vehicle, you're putting them in a truck bed, you're getting them out a window, in like a firefighting sense or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm right there with. And you. I feel like if you're, if you're capable with like a 150 bag, when you put the stress of a real world, like you very much could be capable, in 200 pounds plus or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a pretty cool story. It's in a book called The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. And um, there was this lady that essentially deadlifted a car off of her grandkid. And um, a car had ran over the grandkid and was still on it. So she gets out, she deadlifts this car off of it. And a reporter kept asking her, like, please talk to us, please talk to us. And she wouldn't talk to anybody. Finally, years later, she talked about it. And he's like, why wouldn't you talk to anybody about this? And she said, well, the problem was, was that my whole life, I thought I was capable of certain things. And in one day I went out and I showed myself that I can lift a car. So what else in my life have I been missing out on that I'm not capable of doing or that I am capable of doing that I didn't think that I was. And um, you put competition in that, you put real world in that, man, we can all do things that we had no idea that we could do i agree um like me like one of my biggest weak points is running um and i've actually pr'd mile times at the games in kit because of the yeah that's awesome um so it's like I agree, like the competition and the camaraderie and the the sake of just now I'm on the clock and people are watching. They will really show you what you are capable of. It's really cool. Um, what are your what are your goals with it? Where do you want to take it? Um my what I call my realistic goal is a top ten finish and in intermediate at some point. Sweet. Um, after that would be a top 10 finish in tactical yeah. and then after that would probably be whatever is not last place in elite heck yeah 
um, it, it's it's amazing though so, i mean one exactly like you said the intermediate division it is tough it is difficult and it will push you you know the tactical division that's just a little bit more now and then that, those elites man it's cool so and but here's the thing you can totally get there like i have no doubt in my mind that you'll you'll do those things that you just said that's just the type of person you are i appreciate that i gotta figure my body out first i gotta figure out why i keep getting uh these little nagging injuries. I'm starting to get annoyed. Yeah. It's like, why can't I get a real injury? I'm like, I can't get a real injury that requires surgery. <laughs> why can't I get an ACL tear? So, um, a month before Phoenix last year, I uh, had a partial tear in my ACL. And I was like, why couldn't you go all the way? <laughs> Totally like sarcastic. Don't want to go down that route. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's like, yeah, like I got to figure my body out. If it's nutrition related, I don't know if I have a proper balance of effort and recovery. Yeah. Because um, I don't know if I'm overtraining or if I'm under recovering. Yeah. Um, I do know there are some consistency gaps in my nutrition. I love food. Oh, me too. Point. I get that. Um, and then I know some of my issues where I tried to get a little too fast back into it after COVID. And with whatever reason, COVID for me, like destroyed me. I lost seven pounds in three days. Yeah. And I don't think I respected how much of that was like muscle tissue. Yeah. And then I just tried to go back at like an 80% pace. And I think I did more damage to my body. Than I respected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so trying to figure a whole bunch of that stuff out. Um, yeah. Current goal is just get through Oregon without any injuries. Yeah. And see how the body feels and go from there. That's cool. Yeah. I, uh, overtraining and under recovering. I mean, really, it's in my mind, it's kind of the same thing. You just have to, you have to figure it out and always err on the side of, of under training that way you're just injury it, I mean, you know it just holds us back so much and we see it at the gym a lot so um you know they're like they look over and they're like well but my buddy's deadlifting three plates and and i'm only deadlifting two plates so i want to be like him and then you get hurt you're six months behind him which really means you're a year behind him you know so just erring on the side of train but um, no point in overtraining. Um, as far as the recovery part, you know, it, it's kind of on the same realm. You overtrain and then it's tougher to recover. Um, but there's little things that you can do, just, um, you know, little tiny things that you can start implementing and little things build up. So, you know, even trying, and I am definitely not a nutritionist or a doctor in any way, but um, adding some little things like magnesium at night to try to just get your muscles to relax um and just get super recovered there's some good uh sleep supplements um sleep hygiene and sleep's number one um number one when it comes to the recovery side but um you'll get there you'll uh yeah i just have no doubt you'll get there it's gonna be cool i'm excited to see you get there thank you i 
I haven't given you praise, by the way. Um, the little massage gun trick you showed me in my head. <laughs> Dude, it like, works. It's been like a game changer for lower back tightness. That's awesome. Good. Yeah, I, I learned that years ago, and I don't even remember where I learned it, but everyone's like, hey, my, my lower back. I'm like, oh, really? Well, let me uh, get all <laughs> weird with your glute here. And as soon as you find that little muscle, and you can tell. And if that's what it is, it, it, they feel it. And then I, I bet truly 40 people out of 50 have been like, that fixed my lower back. Like, it's, it's pretty cool. I wish I knew where I learned it from because it didn't come from me. I learned it somewhere. I just don't remember where. I don't know where you learned it, but I'm thankful for whoever taught you it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was good. It is good. Well, um, man, I appreciate your time today. We'll, we'll make this happen again. I'd like to do a live one in Oregon, but um, <clears throat> I think Britton will be there. Matt Bitter will be there. Um, I think it'd be fun to just uh, get a camera, put it out, have five microphones and five people and just, just chat for a couple hours. I'm a hundred percent on board with that. I think, uh, I think the conversation that would come out of that group would be very good. It would. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. Did you get, how was that brisket? Was it good? It was good. Good. Okay. It was I've good, got, even microwaved. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah, I'll do that again. That's, that'll be, that'll become like a little ritual. And then um, also too, we've got, we've got some stuff in the works and a little care package we'll send you here in the next month. So I fun that. stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, it'll be good. Well, hey, thanks. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit stop, but I'll get this uploaded and um, we'll make it all happen. But I really appreciate your time today. I appreciate the opportunity.